Uh. Whole thing gets done up. How you gonna try and take three down, one up? Bro on the ball and you know he a gunner. Release it quick, I'll displace the runner. Lights get heavy when they're bright on you, but I'm iron wheels, so I always shoot. Are you really sure for a 2v2? You could get left back when the third one's through. I'm the man in my city, so trust where United. So the wolves can't come for the team. All enemies just spur me on, they can't make me mad. I'm the chosen son. No way, I mean, we're the chosen three. Attack and defend, sword and shield. How you gonna try and pass it round when you always see us free midfield? Good morning, good afternoon, good evening from wherever you listen to this podcast. I am, of course, your host, Kojo. This is the Free Midfield Podcast. And without further ado, I think we need to introduce my guest. He's a Manchester City fan. He's one of the, the good guys from my city that I know. And it's happy to say that as a United fan. But um, happy to have you on again. Sam, how you doing, bro? Thank you very much. Yeah, good, thank you. All good, all good. I haven't been on since you've got that new intro. I like the intro a lot. <laughs> thank you. That's good, thank, man. Thank you. Yeah, it's been, been a bit of a renovation, as always. <laughs> Well, that made the video and the song video footy for mem um so that's you can find him on instagram now he's not so much on twitter good content and always available to help you create something magical like it did for us and the music by a good friend of mine and a rapper called at you can find him as, uh, on twitter as the official 8080 being the number um and all his platforms spotify and everything else on there but here we are today uh we'll be joined by another special guest very soon he hasn't been here for a while either um i won't say his name yet but hopefully we see, he will be here and you'll see him um but we're here to talk about manchester manchester city manchester united i have to put my city as the first name because they are the better team now i don't like this podcast but i have to do it <laughs> um but yeah, the, the point of this is rather than just going over the last 10 years, because obviously people always mention when happens to Ferguson retired, that's a long talk. That's come and gone. That's a long time ago. We need to focus on the here and now. And the person that has been in charge of Man City for what I think is now six or seven years? That one you know? Yeah, 2000, 2016. 2016, seven years now. So this will be his eighth season, if I'm correct. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Pep Guardiola. Who is obviously in charge of Manchester City as manager. Um, May and I have had a plethora of managers whilst he's been here. Um, but the importance of focusing on him is whilst he's been in charge and what's been going on with City with all the trophies that they've won and continue to be successful on the other side of Manchester has not been so much. They have won some trophies on the way, but nothing near the success of City. We want to find out why from a City fan exactly why that's been going on. So the first half an hour. We will try to avoid anything Manchester United. We're going to focus on everything Manchester City. So, Sam, I think we'll just start from the kickoff because I'd say, in my personal opinion, even though we knew how good Pep Guardiola was at Barcelona, how good he was at Bayern Munich, the level of success he brought to the Premier League was not unusual because we've seen it maybe with Sarah Ferguson if you want to do a comparison. But in terms of, I didn't expect him to just take over because the Premier League is known for being such a competitive league and there are so many teams that can win the league win, you know depending on who it is and so many yeah. challengers we've had Leicester win the league Chelsea have done it um, I want to say I'm saying a few names there's not many Premier League winners in hindsight because it's considering how long it's been around but the competitiveness of the league makes you think you know a team like City no matter their manager no matter who they buy they shouldn't be winning titles by 19 points when they got 100 points or you know, consistently getting above 95 points in general. But he's done that, and he's done that with this team, and he's brought in superb talent, managed to keep the, the ball rolling. When someone leaves, another one comes in, 
it continues. Um, but we'll go back to the beginning. When you first came in, just what were your honest expectations of him? Did you look at him and think, you're a winner, so we're going to win? Or was it a case of, whilst we know what you can do, you're coming to the Premier League, it's a different kettle of fish. And we've, had, we've won the Premier League before, but we've also not defended it because Pellegrini, Mancini. What was your honest thoughts when he came in? What did you expect? What did you want from him? When he when he came in, um, this is the kind of this is the kind of consistency that I was kind of hoping for. Mm. That you know you're never hundred percent certain because at, at that point it's just you are just predicting what's going to happen. You can't you can't foresee into the into the future. But this is kind of what I was envisaged, and I think a lot of, a lot of City fans were so excited for this reason because he would give us that consistency where we could go you know back to back to back winning leagues, multiple titles, multiple trophies, and that he'd just give a real consistent kind of style of play. There's obviously some flexibility in there, which we'll probably talk about how the team's evolved, but there's consistent things, consistent principles, which Pep just brings. And, you know, the, his Barca side is still probably the best team I've ever watched, probably still my favourite team to, to watch. Um, and the players that he had and the team that he put together there and then replicating it, with Bayern as well, in terms of the, the style of football, maybe with a bit more, a bit more adaptability, a bit more versatility in that as well, um, and then coming to City and kind of doing the same really, and playing to his strengths depending on what they are each season, adapting the team depending on kind of what he what he needs. But yeah, when when it first got announced, I think every single fan was, you know, it just felt surreal really. To, everyone at that, at that point, you know, you know what Pep Guardiola has done. Um, He's going to be in the debate or is in the debate for the greatest manager of, of all time. He's in that. People say he's, he's, he is it. Um, so, yeah, to have that. And the club, they were obviously building for that. And I think when Man- Mancini left, um, they wanted, they tried to get Pep originally uh, when Bergerstein and Soriano were already in, in place. In the end, they couldn't get him and they got Pellegrini instead, which is kind of a little bit of a, a stopgap. Um, and gave Pellegrini a contract which kind of ran alongside Pep's at Bayern, coincidentally. And then, uh, yeah, when Pep went, they were there ready to snap him up and kind of give him everything that he, he's needed. And I think that's partly why he stayed so long as well, because he hasn't got the, the stress that he maybe had at Barcelona and Bayern, where it's very political, you know, a broad level. Um, a lot of that impacts on your job as a manager and as a coach. But with Pep, he just gets to coach the team. He's got people around him from Barcelona. He's got people around him that what with his whole coaching career yeah. uh, and I think it's just made him because he's a very intense guy as everybody knows and I think he can you know when when you've got all the other stuff on top of the intensity that he brings going on he will burn out after three or four years but I think at City he's able to he's able to just park the rest of it and focus on the football and that's kind of given this this longevity which which is expected to go on for nine years maybe even more a few rumblings that he might sign another extension on that so we will see. <laughs> uh, I can tell you, I can tell you very, very well. I do not want that. <laughs> it's kind of funny because obviously I had, obviously being younger, I had my period of dominance where I really enjoy it. So looking at you guys from the outside now is a bit of jealousy, but I understand that you've got to thrive in there. You're going to enjoy it. Um, you mentioned about his style of play. Now, you guys play, you play a passing game. Obviously, the possession is the, the, the key of the game for him, but you're a lot more direct than his bosses or his buyers you know there's a, there's a bit of a 
uh, directness about it. Where now, now you you got to talk about current squad. You got Doku who's come in, and you know for those of you who's this is podcast recorded on the fifth of November yesterday on the fourth. Incredible show by Doku. One goal, four assists. Yeah. <laughs> Ridiculous. Um, but that that's 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 the that's the beautiful beautiful thing about him, isn't it? And I want to ask you this question about other managers as well that we'll get into it after. But just his style of play alone. You talk about evolving. What have you what have you witnessed from his first squad when he obviously came in, had to fix a couple of things, bought some players, didn't work out, replaced them. How has it gradually evolved? What are other teams and managers and fans not seeing that he continues to do that makes him continue to just dominate? Yeah, that is about not seeing. I think there's a few things which you, if you just watch City from his first sort of title winning team to now, um, there's probably about three or four different sides that he's created through that. So first of all, 17, 18, when we got 100 points, we had a you know, real kind of classical 4 3 3, really, similar to a Barca, where he's got two wide wingers, Sane and Sterling, stretch the pitch, attacking the outside, and Aguero at front, and they'd have De Bruyne and Silva kind of playing those proper number eight positions, and then Walker and Walker and Delph kind of coming inside a little bit as well mm. with Fernandinho, which is what you saw a lot of Barca and a lot of Bayern Munich as well. Um, then the following season, he kind of changed it up a bit, mainly because I think Sano got a bit of inconsistency and got injured, and then Sterling goes on the left and puts Bernardo Silva on the right. And then you've got kind of two more inverting players. Yeah. And that's when we started to go for a bit more control, um, and then when, the, when Aguero leaves, we then go into like a more of a false nine for a couple of years when Aguero is not fit and when Aguero leaves and we're sort of playing that kind of iteration where it's just very, very possession heavy, um, trying to limit chances for the other team and just try and counteract the fact we didn't have a proper goal scorer by the, cri- the chances that we created were just really, really almost as admissible as possible chances you could get which sometimes with Hazes and Sterling, you did kind of need. Um, back then, they had to, you know, you have to get to a point where you're laying goals on a plate for those people who aren't natural sort of finishers, really. So we had a couple of years of the false nine, and then we then bring in Haaland, and the first actual six months of Haaland being there, as spectacular as it, it was in some games, there was a little bit of the team kind of trying to find its feet and how to how to play with him and to shift away from a false nine back to then the complete opposite of a false nine. Mm. Um, and the way they did that is that they just kind of locked down the control and just focused on really keeping it solid at the back, not allowing counter attacks and going for a maybe slightly more pragmatic version of City, like you said earlier, um, being comfortable <clears throat> in the transition as well. Um, as being possession possession heavy, so having that versatility. And then towards the end of last season, you saw that where we were playing sometimes four centre-backs across the back line. Still very good technically, so able to keep that possession game going when needed. But when we came up against a Real Madrid or Arsenal, we had that directness to play through them quickly with De Bruyne and Haaland and almost play a little bit of counter-attack, especially against Arsenal. So, yeah, it's been a whole different kind of iterations from the super wide wingers with Sane and Sterling transitioning to like a false nine where, you know, you have sometimes like Foden or Bernardo Silva playing up front, then to Haaland and even last season going from kind of a a very kind of open attacking team to a bit more rigid and and defensive and then kind of playing transition, but also with 
bit of possession in there as well. The possession stuff has always been what Pep will always fall back to. He always wants the ball, you know, whatever it is, if he can, if he can help it. And there might be some games where we where we we couldn't last year, and then he'd adapt again, um, and he'd make us more of a, a transitional transitional team and you know playing full centre-backs at in a back four if you would have said that to Pep eight years ago you might not have might not have seen that when he had you know Danny Alves and and players like that but um yeah it's a little bit maybe it's taken a little bit from Tony Pulis in that sense (laughs) (laughs) I wonder it's interesting because I always feel like he's someone that's uh he's got like a fusion of styles I don't feel like people will look at him and actually I feel like brother people look at him and say you know Obviously, he was educated on the the Barca system, Christ and all that. I know um, it might have been in the book that uh, William Bellegay wrote about him, something about working with Bielsa in Argentina, you know, something like that. So he wasn't just, you know, stuck with one or two people and said, that's my style. Because if you compare Barca or Barca players or alumni, Mourinho was also a coach when Pep was there. Yeah. And if you compare the styles, they are very, very, very different. They're so polar <laughs> opposite. Um, so obviously he's gonna win done his sort of thing, which is you know, I, I like that. I like different managers and different styles. But you spoke up about Pep being known as probably the greatest manager in the of, of all time, or one of the greatest managers of all time for sure. His style of play and his influence on football. Now, do you look at other managers? And other teams, and it's not even to sound disrespectful um, towards them, but are they trying to be, in terms of style and how they play, are they trying to be Manchester City? I think so. I think there's been a lot of cases where Pet will do one thing, and then maybe three months later, other managers are trying to trying to do a similar thing. Pep, I mean, Pep's always used. Fullbacks inside, whether it's been Zinchenko or even you know Fabian Delph at one point. Now it's John Stones coming inside as well, um, and then suddenly you know Arsenal are doing it obviously with Zinchenko as well. Yeah. Liverpool's then started doing it with Trent coming inside. Um, I think we've even seen United try and do it a little bit this year with Amrabat as well coming in from left back. So I think a lot of time when Pep does something, other managers copy he just take little bits of other managers i think he said quite openly this season he's tried to take little bits from deserby um at brighton and how they how they build up in possession but i think yeah pep is kind of very much um or has been at this point anyway ahead of the curve tactically um coming up with new things and other managers responding rather than the other way around so i think that's obviously been a huge a huge advantage for for city because i feel like with pep it gives us you know at least 10 extra points a season, just the way he looks at things. Um, so, yeah, I feel like teams do do copy Pep and, you know, you can't you can't blame them, really. Uh, I, I can't lie to you. I blame them. And the reason why I say that, <laughs> the reason I say that, because I feel like, obviously, I mean, obviously, when he's been here, who's won the title? So, I think Chelsea won the title in his first year. Yeah. And then he won it the next year. Two. He won two. Yeah. Then Liverpool. Yeah. And then... Three mm. in a row? Yeah. Okay, right. So for me, I feel like the only times where they've where City have genuinely been challenged, when I say genuinely, I mean mm. pushed close, Liverpool one point or you know, winning the league. 
uh, I guess he wasn't really challenging for the league that Chelsea won. The year Chelsea won it, because I remember he got Champions League almost on the final day, kind of. Um, yeah, finished. Yeah, third. Yeah, third. Yeah, day. He finished third. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I feel like these two managers, in certain, uh, in, in particular, being Conte and Klopp, they don't play as the same style that you know uh, Pep does. Now, obviously, there, mm. will, there will be bits like you mentioned. I didn't even think about Trent going inside the way um, you guys do if you're inverted for I didn't even think about that. So you see, there you go, that's another one. But even that in its own, you can look at Liverpool and there's a distinct difference in the style to City. Uh, yeah. When Conte was doing his thing with Chelsea, you know, there's a very big difference in the style of football there. That was very really 3-5-2. It was, it was, you know, you, you know what you're going to get. Yeah. Is, is, there, is there a credit in saying... If a manager is able to find his own sort of philosophy without having too much pep influence, and then finding a way to win, the way these guys did, that that is the way to maybe counteract uh, a city or even all these other teams that come in and try challenge for the title, like Arsenal, because Arteta is similar to Pep, in my opinion. Mm. That's why he didn't make it too far at the end, was mentality and stuff. But yeah, is there is there credit in saying that maybe if someone has a different style of football, maybe that's the way to counteract you guys, maybe? I think in, in some ways, in terms of the games against City, you could say that, because the season that we, the season that Liverpool won the league, um, the first game, the one game was in, in lockdown, wasn't it, behind closed doors, but Liverpool already won the league by then, so the first yeah. game we played against Liverpool at Anfield, when the season was still kind of running normally, um, Liverpool beat us. And the season that we played Conte, although it was really early days in in Pep City, and you know he still had the likes of you know Sanya and Collar off at fullback at thirty three and thirty four. Oh, wasn't, okay. wasn't wasn't the best? Yeah. Wasn't our best situation yet of, of City? But Chelsea still beat us twice that season. Yeah. So it depends kind of how much weight you put on actually playing those individual games against City, those head to head games against City. Um, and like you said, Arteta's style is maybe similar. Last season, Pep was able to figure it out. We beat Arsenal both home and away and yep. in the FA Cup and then went on to win the league. So I think if you're looking at head-to-head games, then maybe, yes, you've got to come up with a different style. I think yep. if you try and play Pep at his own game and play a possessional game against City, um, you're going to find it really difficult to, to try and come up with a plan A, which is better than City's plan A. But if you flip the styles and go with Liverpool and how, you know, the, <clears throat> the contrast that Klopp's teams have had at their peak and that Conte did that season, then, yeah, you can definitely win the individual battles. But then I suppose you've got to you've got to then replicate that over. You've got to make sure that star that you've come up with, if it's going to be different to City and be able to cause City problems, it's also got to be capable of getting results against the other, you know, 19 teams across that, across that season. Um so yeah, in some ways the one the games against City, yes, you probably need a different kind of style of play, but you have to make sure that style of play also matches up well against every other team as well. Because there's no point in beating City home and away and then losing, you know, losing another five or six games and coming second. So yeah, that consistency is a very big thing. Obviously, um, Pep, I mean, being consistent throughout his clubs. Now I want to talk about his different teams that you've had so far and which one you think would be for you the best now you've got a plethora of options because you've got a team that got 100 points yeah. or the team that got did they get 90 was it 99 points they got also or 98 98 uh, 98 points so you've got 98 points you've got 100 points 
Um, and I, I mentioned points because I'm going to be very honest. Points for me don't really mean much. I understand the the achievement and 100 points is an incredible achievement. Um, and the same way how, you know, they used to talk about um, Jose Mourinho's Chelsea getting 95 points back in 2005. It's incredible. So I'm not trying to diminish it. Just for me personally, I think the accolades mean more. So if City won the title by 80, 81, 82 points, it wouldn't bother me because for me, that just proves that you're champions. You're, you're the best team in the, in the land. You've gone on to succeed and, you know, do many things like you have. So the points didn't mean much to me. But at the same time, it is a record-breaking amount of points. 100 points has only been done, it, well, I don't, maybe in other leagues, I'm not sure. But the one notable league that I do know is Spain with Real Madrid. So yeah. you're talking about very, very few teams that have reached this accolade. So, you know, certain class he's in there and that club's in that in there. And of course, the team that won the treble could be one of those three, could be one that isn't. Which one is your could be the team that won the um the domestic mm. treble or quadruple if you want to add the community show to it? Yeah. Which one is your favorite? Uh, which one do you think is the best? Favorite and best are two different things, but give me yeah, one. Of yeah. Very, very difficult question. When I've been asked previously, I've always kind of, I've gone for. I think my my, my favorite, I think, is the eighteen nineteen season where we got ninety eight points. Okay. When the when the domestic treble because, that, and and that could arguably be the best as well because that team. They, they didn't maybe have the the mentality or the, the, the enough experience yet in the Champions League. Obviously, we, we experienced a lot of failure in the Champions League after that as well, which kind of led us to last season, I think, and contributed to that, getting it over the line. But that, that team maybe didn't have as much experience in the Champions League yet. But, you know, we, we arguably, that's the closest we probably come to winning all four trophies available in one season or five if you want to count community shield if you want to but we won we won every we won every 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 trophy domestically 98 points so obviously got pushed all the way by liverpool we won our last 14 games in a row in the league yeah. to win the league arguably should have beaten tottenham in what was a crazy game and maybe that you know that was the difference between us winning the champions league that year as well and then you just go from back to front with edison in goal Guerra at front, David Silva, De Bruyne, Fernandinho, company as well. So it's kind of got, it's kind of, it's kind of, and De Bruyne, it's kind of got a mixture and Bernardo of like the, the it's got a mixture of the old city, I say old yeah. city, the Mancini kind of city with, and Pellegrini city with Aguero, Fernandinho, company, Silva. And then it's got a little bit of the new cities well with De Bruyne and Bernardo. Sterling, Sane, etc., Jesus. Yeah. So that that uh, that the team's just stacked. That that team's got more depth now than we do currently. You know, look look at that look at that that front that front six with Aguero, Jesus, Gundogan, David Silva, De Bruyne, Bernardo, Sane, Sterling, Foden, oh. all in, all in that team. <laughs> <laughs> and then you look at oh. and, then, and obviously our team now is brilliant. But Haaland, Alvarez, Grealish, Foden, Doku as the front the front five or six players really so we had we had a lot more depth back then and that's the reason why we came the closest we've come to to win the quadruple um so i would i would probably i'd probably go with that one 
but the the only caveat is that the, the team that got the triple over the line last season was probably the most versatile. Like I've already said, it could play off it could play off the part, but if it wanted to scrap, we could dig in and we could physically bully you as well. We could play in transition or we could play possession. So, yeah, best for me probably eighteen nineteen. Talk yeah. about the depth. Talk about the different the different elements of city teams and down the years kind of coming together in one in that side. Um, but most versatile was was last year. Been able to change up depending on what we needed, home and away, Champions League, domestically. Yeah. So, yeah, out out of the out of those those two. <laughs> it's crazy because you're talking about the um, obviously you're on this season. I'll, I'll go to that that eighteen nineteen season as well. But you talk about this season. You talk about being able to have a scrap also. And I remember there was it was the United City game, uh, which we will delve into a bit later on. Um, where you guys had a set piece, you had a corner. That's what it was. You had a corner, and you just saw giants walking into the mm. into the, into the box. You know, you had stones. You had um, obviously Harland. You know, Rodri, just big, strong, tall guys who yeah. can not only play with the ball in their feet, but they can also physically dominate you in the air. There's, it's almost like you're looking for a weakness, and you're asking yourself, where is the weakness? Mm-hmm. And maybe within a game. You know where you find a certain point where maybe someone's off his game, you notify and you say that is the weakness. But you can't call that a consistent weakness. You can't yeah. say if you want to get a city, always attack down the left or the right down the or down the middle. Because also at left back, even though you haven't got a, I would say a certified left back, you've got your options in Akanji, Ake, and Vardyol. Yeah. So you're already built there at right back. You've got. Um, uh, what's his name? Kyle Walker. You've got the young Rico Lewis, who also mm-hmm. dominated in midfield recently as well. <laughs> you know, you've got this. this it's, it's everywhere where you can say, even if they lose one, another one goes in there. And it's also the lottery of who are City going to play. Yeah. Just as a, a bit of a fun one for those of you who play FPL, um, I put I put Vardio in my team this weekend because I thought, you know what, Bournemouth at home. I think you take the left back berth. Nope, not even nowhere to be found no. on the bench. <laughs> Didn't even get a minute. Didn't even get yeah. Which I'm, I mean, I'm just now hoping that Matty Cash he will start. I hope he gets a clean sheet today because he'll get frosted. <laughs> so, you know, fingers crossed. Um, but I think that's something that's so good about City. It's not only are you, I guess, if you wanted to play your strongest eleven, there's question as to what that strongest eleven is because mm. the quality is so high across the board. But that 18-19 team and the forwards that you mentioned were frightening. Because Sane, speed, Sterling, speed, but also positioning and movement, always finding his way to get goals. Aguero, goal scorer, Gabriel Jesus, he was very much an unknown quantity. Mm. But you could see his quality was coming through. Kevin De Bruyne, they have to really say much. Gundogan, once he got over his injury issues, monster midfielder. Bernardo Silva, quality. Fernandinho, rock solid defensive midfielder. And also, for those of you who love the uh, social media um, sort of words, a master in the dark arts. Um, David Silva as well. Yeah, David Silva. He was, he was one as well. And <laughs> someone like David Silva, he looked like a. I think he was looked as a maybe a gentle soul, you know, sort of possession style, tick attack footballer. But yeah, he was an aggressive player as well. And yeah, you he can mix that. it. Yeah, 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 you need that, you know. And, and the young Foden as well. So exactly, young Foden, and you, um, I, I feel like he's very understated. But when you are a young boy who supports the club from from a toddler age, and you know you're playing for that team now. And you have a chance to be successful with that team. You'll do everything in your power to make sure that team wins. Yeah, but he brings that as well. And of course, you bring company, incredible centre back, legendary, 
and then yeah, you just go back, you just go through your whole team. Just there's just quality in abundance. It's very annoying for me to talk about City like this. Um, <laughs> but but it's true. Um, but that forward line and comparing it to this team that you've got now for this season, do you think he's trying to maybe not transition, not go back to it, but also have like a fusion because the docu signing surprised me. Docu wasn't originally linked with you as a Premier League mm. team. Um, but then out of nowhere, you guys went in for him. And it's made sense. It's worked because you've got him with his directness. But on the other side of it, um, if you want to swap the left side of midfield, you've got um, Jack Grealish, who's a bit yeah. more... Um, he's, he is direct, but he's a lot more calmer on the ball. Mm. He's also sort of learned how to play within the City team because yeah. that is a lot more free. This time is a lot more instruction based. Do you think this there's a there's an idea to try and fusion the two and make City again well even more unpredictable? I think so. Yeah, I think I think you you go this 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 team now and where it's kind of where Pepper's kind of changed it from and tweets it from. One of the things that he has done is maybe made it a little bit more. Um, it's always been based around control, but an even higher element of control in terms of keeping the ball and having that robustness at the back that you mentioned a minute ago. That 18-19 team had unbelievable options going forward. Um, but then maybe you play Champions League games and you're conceding, you know, three or four goals around. And you're going out to look at all the games we've gone out in the Champions League. Monaco, we conceded like five goals, six goals over two legs. Spurs, the same. Yeah. That weird one-off knockout game against Leon conceded three goals against a terrible <laughs> Leon team, yeah. shocking Leon team. Yeah. Real Madrid conceding three goals at home and then two more last minute away. Yes, and I, th- I think what what Pep had looked at and kind of gone away from last season was that he wanted proper defenders in his team. He spoke about the height of the team at the back, the ability to defend crosses. Yeah. which we didn't against Real Madrid in those last few minutes. We went out in the semi-finals, Cancelo and Zinchenko on either side, both maybe a little bit, not what, would you, not what you would call out-and-out defenders, but to go from Cancelo and Zinchenko in the semi-finals of, against Real Madrid one season to then fast-forward to the final, and you've got John Stones, Kanji, right back, and then you've got Ake at left back, proper yeah. defenders. And we saw in that final, we didn't, we didn't play very well in that final, but we... We defended for our lives and we defended crosses and we were able to hold on when the pressure was really building. And we got a little bit of luck, which I think you always need in the Champions League. But we had proper defenders on the pitch and Pep spoke about it as well. And that was kind of the difference, really. So I think he's moved away in that sense defensively. Much more reliable, consistent defenders who want to defend. And then attacking-wise... <clears throat> I think we maybe haven't got as much depth, depth right now, but we've got we've actually got quite a young forward line. I think Grealish should, now Mares is gone. Yeah, I think Grealish is our only real like kind of experienced attacker. Obviously, Haaland and Alvarez unbelievable, but they're both twenty two, twenty three, or twenty yeah, both twenty three, twenty three. Foden's still in the, you know his early part of his career, even though I feel like he's been around forever. Yeah. Doku twenty one as well. So we've actually got quite a young forward line at the minute. I think a lot of City fans would like us to add another forward to get back to that depth of 18-19 as well. Not sure where they would add it, but they, they want it. Um, so, yeah, I feel like Pep has, has changed that 18-19 team versus now, maybe slightly more robust defensively and maybe a little bit less flair, but at the same time a little bit more direct as well. 
So it's a, it's a whole different combination of of things, which I think he's always looking at and, and changing. And um, yeah, obviously one of the things last season, which was massive, was John Stones coming into midfield. That that kind of role that he took on and kind of took over from from Rico Lewis, actually, really, who kind of led the way with that. In after the World Cup break, um, he kind of. Pep kind of played around with that, and then John Stones came in and kind of really nailed it. But it wasn't—he wasn't really until I would say middle of March onwards, where City really clicked last season, and we really, really found that formula. It was the, the home game against Leipzig, I think, in the Champions League, when when seven nil, and I think from then, that's when it—that's when it kicked on because it was only a few weeks before that we'd lost to Spurs away, we'd lost to United away, we'd lost to Southampton in the League Cup, and there was still so many questions so just shows you how quickly things can can change in football as well absolutely there's one thing that you said that i'm happy you said it i'm very happy you said it you spoke about the defenders and being able to defend mm. and this is where um this is going to sound disrespectful to other managers um i call a lot of managers pep cosplay and the reason why i call them that is because obviously pep pep's thing at barcelona was possession 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 yeah. recycle start again and you had Abidal, Puyo, PK, Daniel Alves, people that could play, play, play. But the one thing they could also do is defend. Daniel Alves was, we, told, we were told he wasn't a great defender, but for what Barcelona were trying to do, it works perfectly. Abidal, very good, solid left back. Mm-hmm. Puyo, less said the better. PK, for me, often disrespected. I think he's a great, he was a great centre back. Um, and he got to Bayern Munich. I don't have to really go much into that one, Bayern Munich or Bayern Munich. But I think he's come here. And I can't think of a time where City were just defensively vulnerable. Maybe you had moments or spells within a season where, you know, you could get got out because there's maybe a bit of complacency slipping in, but your guys knew how to defend. I look at other teams and I feel like they sign players primarily for the passing aspects mm. rather than the they can defend, but they also complement my style of play. Like when you were late to Vardyol, I was swearing in all my main night group chats because I was fuming. I was like, this guy can defend, but boy, can he play also. But that's what you want. You want to be able to know that you can allow someone like Edison the time to rest in games and just, you know, focus on helping the team build up play and not worry that if you are under pressure from teams that, you know, you always can see chances. It's football, but more times your team knows how to get out of situations and their quality also adds to the luck that you get because they do something, even if it's the smallest thing that can turn it, that can, you know, sort of um, upset the way a forward is moving and distract them from, distract them from getting where they want to get to and, you know, how the right finish. It's small things that they're missing out on. Um, So I'm happy you said that. I need to get that off off my chest. Um, Last thing, on City, did Pep Guardiola need the Champions League to secure his legacy at Messi? I think it's a good cherry on the cake. So he's it, was his legacy secure for you already? And yeah, then it was I think just, so. uh, little one on top. Yeah. perfect. I think okay. for lots, I think a lot for, for a lot of City fans, Pep was already City's greatest manager even before last season. Mm. Um, I think outside of the club, people would you know other fans or just yeah not outside the city bubble I think people would have said you know you need you need the Champions League because you've not won everything then right. 
and you could you could argue that either either way at the time luckily it's not an argument we have to have anymore so but <laughs> um i think for for a lot of, for 90 percent of city fans pep was already our, our greatest manager in terms of what he's what he delivered um and I think now just having the Champions League on top just kind of leaves doesn't, doesn't there's no there's no doubt it's gone from ninety percent to hundred percent if that makes sense. So yeah, um, yeah, getting over that getting that over the line for still what is a, a club when it comes to modern football uh, still quite in its infancy in European football in terms of it's not been there consistently for the last forty fifty years. Um, but now we're kind of we've we've grown into that, and I think a lot of city fans, if they were looking at it logically, and city fans are very pessimistic by nature, most of them anyway over a certain age. Um, but if you were to look at it logically, now we've got that's through that psychological barrier. We I, I expect City to get another one, you know, in the next three or four four years at some point, hopefully. And where do you? Ah, that's, a, that's a difficult question because we've already mentioned that City have many different teams like United have had, Chelsea have had as well. Um, how do I phrase this question? What, actually, you know, ask the question and then you, you take it how you want to. I don't know how I want to take it personally myself. Um, where do City rank amongst... Actually, no, that's a better question. Where do the treble winners ranks, rank amongst United's treble winners? Invincibles? Chelsea 95, uh, United Premier League, Champions League double, mm. and um, what was it, uh, your City 98 and City 100. Where do they rank? This is a, this is a, in my head, this is like a question for the end result versus performance of a team throughout the whole season because last season we were we were very mixed yeah but like i said those last those last three three months of the season was, was some of the most complete football i've ever seen i think culminating in in that game home game against real madrid where we beat them four nil um and just and that was on the back of winning x amount of consecutive games and big games as well beating Bayern munich at home beating arsenal at home as well in in that run to kind of get in the premier league over the line, I think it's very. I think the ones that you could, I think, I think it's between the United double winning team, yep, and and this one in terms of in terms of the actual output, the end product. I think. I mean, we're. I don't know your age, Kojo. You still look quite young, so I'm not sure how much our um, memories of, um, of the um, treble '99. I want to be um, want to be 31 in a month. So I remember. I remember. I remember football from '97 onwards. Yeah. So I I, I I do remember the treble team very well. Um, I will say that that win and the magnitude of it didn't really hit me. Yeah. Until a couple of years later, only because at that time, truth be told, for anyone that's listening to this podcast, they will know that. I was actually heading towards supporting Newcastle because my favorite footballer at the time was Laurent Robert because I didn't know many Premier League left-footed players. Obviously, I knew Ryan Giggs and people yeah. were there, but Laurent Robert could strike a ball the way that I'd never seen another player strike a ball before. So the magnitude of United, United winning it at that time didn't really resonate with me. 
Yeah. It was much, but when I, my dad realised that I was going towards Newcastle, he wasn't having any of that. So he started taking to Old Trafford quite often. Yeah. That's where the United love came through. And then I've been there since. And then my love of Beckham and one. But um, yeah, I'm, I do remember. Yeah. yeah. So, so, so obviously... Yeah, so obviously that, 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 that at that time winning the treble in any scenario is an incredible achievement. Mm. I think there's a couple of elements which might just be the the bias that if Anime would say that last season's treble <clears throat> was a, was had a couple of extra elements on top of what United achieved, and one of them was actually beating United in the FA Cup final. You know, to have the opportunity to actually, okay. you know, the, that for for it to be United as well in that in that scenario, you're playing your derby rivals you know you know that they want to win to stop you achieving what has been their greatest achievement to date as well yeah. and as part of a, a treble and as part of winning the champions league for the first time the amount of i know you, you said at the start and i do get your point about points being a little bit here or there because you know we could have had 90 plus points last season but we won the league a bit earlier so we didn't need it um, and we rested in, in a lot of games towards the end, like Chelsea and Brentford and Brighton in the build-up to that Champions League final. Um, and I just think that this is probably a contentious point, but I think the Premier League is stronger now. Mm-hmm. I feel like back in '99, United and Arsenal—they were the big two teams. Yeah. Now you look at the you look at the amount of games. Just you, th- you think about the amount of games like away from home in the Premier League that you have to go to now. And half the games, maybe more, are really, really difficult. You can see yourself dropping points. You could go to Villa Park. They're on an amazing run from last season. Yeah. Difficult place to go. Newcastle's now a difficult place to go, as Arsenal found out last night. Arsenal, obviously, is still a difficult place to go. Spurs, United still, especially last season when you only lost one game at home, I think. Yeah. Chelsea as well last season, a bit mixed, but still Stamford Bridge. And then you've got Brighton as well. So it's the the depth and, and West Ham, who won obviously a European trophy last season. So the depth and quality across the league is is massive. Um, so to, to do it on all three competitions with a World Cup in the middle, which disrupts your whole season in terms of getting back on track. So he also had the most players at the World Cup of any club in in the league. Um, and then to just the amount of big games that we won at the Etihad, and I can't, like I say, I can't remember '99 United and who they beat and who they lost to at home and away. But mm-hmm. you know, City beat Chelsea at home. They beat Spurs at home. They beat United at home. They beat Arsenal at home. They beat Liverpool at home. Real Madrid at home. Bayern Munich at home. Leipzig seven nil. And then to get to that last week and to beat your rivals in a final, and then to clinch Champions League a week later for the first time. Yes, hard to hard to um. Hard to top, I think, in terms of in terms of outcome, in terms of performance over those over those three. So, yeah, I think Arsenal Invincibles is a bit of a weird one because going and beating it is incredible, but then people will argue you could also go and beat and and get thirty eight points as well. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's being pedantic, but you could. Yeah. Um, United obviously treble winners as well, maybe with a lesser points total might have. Maybe mm. maybe lost more games over the course of that of that season. Um, Chelsea, you say Chelsea ninety five points. Obviously, the yeah. incredible defensive record as well. I mean, we say only win the league, but we're comparing to teams who have won the league, the FA Cup, and the, and the Champions League. So yeah, yeah only win only win the league. So 
yeah, last season in terms of outcome for City, I don't think it's it's very difficult to get better than than last season. I think. Like, like, personally, I don't think we'll have a better season than last season. Now, when I've gone through all the games we won at home, how we won it, the teams that we beat, the yeah. trophies that we won. Um, yeah, for me, that's for me. I've kind of resigned myself to to knowing we're not going to have a better season than that of watching my my team. So. That's not, that's not a bad thing. Once once you've you've topped it, you can just enjoy the yeah. rest of the ride after that, to be fair. So, <laughs> you know, it's not, it's not a bad thing. Um, there are a few points I do want to argue on that, but you know what? That, that would take the podcast to a whole new time. So we'll do that. We'll, we'll come back to that time for sure. Um, that's not a problem. Um, but yeah, no, no. I think that's a, I think that's a fair point on City. I think um, you start the season well again. You know, even when City don't play well, they win. And I think that's um, something that a lot of teams need to remember that champions do tend to do even on your worst days you can still come away with three points and luck no matter what you say has always been a big part of football no matter what you know it's it's lucky that city were a club that the um the current owners looked at and said we want to build them it's, it's luck that they managed to you know build such a, a, a reputation that all these players want to come there and yeah. when, when i say that um with luck i'm not saying that Oh, they were lucky that you know Sergio Aguero was once in Spain and happened to come across Man City and said, "Oh, you know they got money." Ah, no, it's not like that. But everything that you build and everything that you do, once whilst you do deserve it, you do need that extra element of luck where something comes in and just gives you that extra push. Yeah, even well, last season, even last season, the Champions League final, all the points that I said about Pep changing the team, the versatility of the team, how we can adapt, we can play possession, we can fight, we can count tap, whatever you wanted. All the games that went at home, everything I've spoken about, it comes down to that Champions League final where we didn't play great and Lukaku heads the ball straight at the goalkeeper or Ruben Diaz heads it away or you know hit the post in those last few minutes as well on the bar. So if everything that I've said, you need that tiny bit of luck at the end which just gets you over the line. Otherwise, everything I've spoken about in terms of where we where that season ranks for City against other teams and you know in our history as well, it's almost completely wiped off by a single, you know, single save or a single glancing head off a post. You know, if that goes in, it's one one into go on and win it. We're not having this, you know, we're not having this conversation. So yeah, it all comes down to those tiny margins and and after, you know, with all the hard work and all the analysis and all the discussing and Prince, you know, debates amongst fans and management looking down and everything that goes involved with football. You need that tiny little bit of luck. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. All right. I did say half an hour, but we've done 46 minutes on City, but they are the better team in the in the city. So <laughs> yeah, I've got a few minutes and I will have to shoot in a sec. <laughs> yeah, no problem at all. We'll try and do United very quickly. So obviously you know how good your team is and the things that you have within the club to make the the train continue to just push forward. United used to be like that. Obviously lost their way, a lot of different changes in the boards, ownership, we all know the, the story. But what is it that you think United are doing wrong the most? Um, <clears throat> well, yeah, um, um, yeah, obviously it's a massive concoction of things. I think every, a lot of stuff does come down from the owners and I was having this debate the other day because I've got a couple of United mates as well and I think the Glazers are the reason that May United probably won't be winning multiple league titles or, win or winning league titles or winning Champions Leagues 
United are still capable of some elements of success, still capable of some success, as they've shown with the Glazers. They've won, they've won Premier Leagues when the Glazers have been there. They've won trophies while the Glazers have been there. They've finished second, you know, third, high up in the league, yeah. reasonable, successful season. So I feel like the Glazers and the effect that they obviously have in terms of their running of the football club limits United from getting to that top, top Champions League winning, Premier League winning level. But in terms of where United are at the moment, in terms of performance, in terms of finishing seventh or eighth or ninth or fifth or sixth, wherever they're going to finish this year, I feel like a lot of that is at the moment anyway down to the manager, and he probably hasn't got a lot of the tools that he needs. And I don't mean squad-wise. I mean if NASA goes into United and whether it's kind of as run as an elite team as it should be in terms of training ground, in terms of infrastructure but I feel like there's more than enough there to United to be in and around the top four to finish fourth third second um at the moment mm. but, and I felt a lot of that does lie with the manager I'm surprised because when when United first got Ten Hag I was expecting him to bring his style of football from Ajax to United right. and to apply quite clearly the, the principles that he was going to set out, like we've seen from De Zerbi, like we've seen from Ange at Spurs, like we've seen from Emery at Arsenal as well. Yeah, yeah. And in some cases, especially Villa and Brighton, you could argue those clubs are, have got a linear way of running the football club from top to bottom. But I think Pochettino, not Pochettino, Postacoglu has made the argument for Ten Hag very difficult because... He's come into a complete mess at Spurs, really. I mean, infrastructure-wise, yeah. it is still the director of football was got banned for bet for the stuff that's going on in with Juve, the financial breaches. So, the, so the director of football's gone. The club wanted the chairman out, Levy, obviously for quite a while. There's so much indifference about that around the club. He loses the one of the best, if not the best, all-round striker in the world, and Harry Kane. He goes off, um, and you left, and he's, he's left with a squad which finished eighth last season yep. and he's come in and despite all that and he hasn't signed a load of players one or two maybe that have gone straight into the first 11 Madison and Van der Ven in particular yeah and he's just completely transformed it from top to bottom and you can just tell straight away that that is his team it's how he wants to play and <clears throat> even though Ten Hag has had an extra year 16 months on some of those managers there's not and, and had the opportunity to bring in a lot of his own players as well. Maybe yeah. not always first choice, but just a lot of what he wanted and players that he's worked with before. And there's no clear way of playing and there's no improvement on the style of play. If, if United were, if United had won the first... If United had won the games that they've won the season and lost the games they've lost, i.e. won six, lost five, <clears throat> but the style of football was there and you could see it, then a lot of fans would be a lot more accepting yeah. of any progression, but it's just not been there at all. And that's been the most surprising thing with Tar because I thought he would bring that. And then he actually comes out and says, I don't know if it's after the Derby or after another game or after the Newcastle game, saying, I'm not trying to play like I did at Ajax. Well, then why are you even there? Because the only reason you're there is because <laughs> yeah. it's, it's, you're not there because of the football you played as Bayern Munich second team manager. You're there because you got 
Ajax to a Champions League semi-final, yeah. won four consecutive leagues and played some brilliant football. So, yeah, I don't, I don't really... I think a lot of it is falling on him in terms of how low the level of performance is because we can see that the level of performance for United can be second or third, not where it is at the moment. Yeah, no, I agree with that. And that's the one thing that I feel like United fans are they're afraid to say because I understand we've had, I think, including interim or caretakers, we've had eight men at the helm in 10 years, which is... which is wow. <clears throat> about eight. what? This is about what for the devils, yeah, because you're talking about David Moyes, Louis van Gaal, Ryan Giggs to the end of the season, Jose <laughs> Mourinho, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, Michael Carrick, Ralph Raniuk, um, yeah, and Ten Hag. There you go. Yeah. Eight. That's all eight, straight away, in 10 years. And, you know, I always say, I understand the the difficulty around May Night's ownership and, you know, stories upon stories and players in and out. It's not because it's a... Um, or even like looks like planned buying for summers because out of nowhere players like Di Maria and Lukaku came in was there a plan was there you know what was the goal to go yeah you don't know but in isolation if you look at a manager like Ten Hag the thing for me is if you you brought in Postecoglou from Spurs if you can't play a style of football or you're not ready to play a style of football you're not involved Eric Dyer has gone from being a certified starter from Spurs to being almost a surplus to requirements player. Yeah. And that's because, in my opinion, one, I just obviously noticed, noticed that he's not good enough or at the level of Romero and obviously now Van der Ven to be in his starting 11, nor be on the, or be on the bench. Vicario's obviously come in. They didn't lose Lowry. He's still part of the squad. He's still mm-hmm. part of the team. But Vicario's come in. He's a younger goalkeeper. He's much more adapted to the way he wants to play. It's working. Pape Sarr, come back from the loan. So now Hoiberg is the bench player and he's noticed that Son slowing down on the wings is a lot more effective as a, a front forward. So yeah. even though Richarlison is much more renowned as a striker, regardless of whatever sort of range you want to give him as a striker, mm-hmm. naturally you'd think Son would be on the left and he'd be in the middle, but it's the other way around. Yeah. But it also play, allows players like Mano Solomon a chance to play on the left and obviously got Kulisewski on the right. So he's letting that, that style go ahead. Compared to Ten Hag, I understand that maybe you look at the overall squad and a lot of the players can't play the brand of football that you want to play. But then make a point of that. I don't have I don't have an issue with a manager saying, you know what, I'm gonna just keep playing Hannibal. I'm gonna play I'm gonna Palestri. Um, I, I mentioning these young guys for a reason, but I'm, the reason I'm, I'm saying them is because if you know you know McTominay, Casemiro, um, even Marcus Rashford, I know he's supposed to be a key man, but if he can't play a style of football. He's going to have to hold the bench for a little bit and really learn and train to get used to that style of play. Then you bring him back into the fold yeah. and let him thrive. Because they'll complain, but once they get it, they get it. And Pep Guardiola has always been good at that. You mentioned, um, I think Puyol, rather Puyol mentioned in an interview saying, when he first came in and we lost our first two games, we were like, what the hell is this guy doing here? Like he's, It's not working. But he persisted. And in that same year, their worst start went into winning the treble. Yeah. so you just need to give it time um and i just don't think he's doing what he can to max, maximize the results that he can get i understand this is a big job may not have spent about a billion pounds in the last 10 years and the squad still needs to overhaul which is a big big problem but give your chance yourself the best chance to win um so we mentioned ten hard uh do, do you honest opinion do you think he lasts till the end of the season no I don't think so. 
no. The only thing that might, <clears throat> anything that might save him from what I've read is that United actually haven't got enough cash freed up to pay out the compensation yeah. on his yeah. staff and everything that he's brought with him. So, but um, yeah, don't think so. I mean, in terms of the the leaks that's why I've coming out from the dressing room. That's that's never. That's usually the beginning of the the end. In fact, I think <clears throat> to be honest with you, I think the beginning of the end for me. Um, I think a lot of stuff happened over the summer, which I think because you think about where United finished last season, there was obviously a little bit of a stagnation from March onwards. Um, once you kind of won the League Cup, it kind of peaked at the League Cup, and United had that really good run, beat Barcelona as well, I think, in the Europa League. Um, yes, we did. Yeah. And then, kind of around that time, a lot of injuries started to kick in, and things kind of caught up with you in terms of. I don't think he rotated a lot, and you got a lot of injuries and um, players lost form and that sort of thing. But it was, on the whole, it was a positive season for United, more so than a negative one. But then I think a few things happened over the summer. I think handling the De Gea situation, I think that might, he might have had some input in that. I think actually handling the Mason Greenwood situation and kind of coming out that he was an advocate for having him back in the squad yeah. and how I think that would have impacted. The club, I don't think that's been spoken about enough. How that would have made other members, female members of the who work at your club, feel how it would have made, you know, wives and girlfriends and females connected with the other players in the squad. How would that make them feel about their manager yeah. backing Mason Greenwood to return? And I think he kind of lost a bit of credibility from then. I think there's maybe something going, I don't know if Varane's injured at the moment, is there something going on with Varane at the moment as well? Yeah. So so I feel like he's burning a lot of, Sancho obviously is a big one, he's burning a lot of bridges with a lot of players and I just don't feel like the dressing room is there with him, which makes it even more difficult to stamp his authority, stamp his style, stamp anything on the on the squad. So, um, And I'm going to have to shoot off if that is all good, have to all good. Love, love you and leave you. <laughs> right at the end. Quickly before you go, where can they find you? Um, so just on Twitter, uh, SWhiteman77. Um, yeah, jump on there. Awesome. Awesome. Nice Sam, thank you so much. Shout Cheers, Kojo. Thank you, man. <laughs> Speak to you later. Take yeah. care. You too. All right. Thank you, Sam, for that. He is the Man City fan. Um, the other guest was to be Daps from Liverpool, but... Uh, he's not here, so we will plug him. Never a foul on YouTube, never a foul on uh, Twitter. I think his one is MCFC Daps on Twitter as well, if you want to follow him there. Um, good content all the time for those guys, love those guys, and um, honest opinions. So if you want to catch them up, yeah. Um, I guess I'll just do my final thoughts on Ten Hag. Um, and United in general. I, I do want Ten Hag to succeed at United. I really do. And I really want him to give his best because I think he's a successful manager. Funny thing about it is you talk about agent football. I don't think he's got many, many years left in the game. I think he's older than Pep. So it depends how long you want to take it. It could be a Roy Hodgson and keep going. But um I do want to succeed. I want to do well. But we'll see what we'll do. Anyway, free midfield, like, follow, subscribe. If you are listening, you know where to find us already. But if you are new, YouTube, free midfield podcast and all the audios free midfield, Twitter free midfield. Uh, Instagram through midfield and TikTok through midfield as well. So, yeah, all that good stuff. Uh, enjoy the rest of the weekend and um, we'll see you, I think, real soon. Uh.
whole thing gets done up How you gonna try and take three down one up Bro on the ball and you know he a gunner Release it quick, I'll displace the runner Lights get heavy when they're bright on you But I'm iron real so I always shoot Are you really sure for a 2v2 You could get left back when the third one's through I'm the man in my city so trust we're united So the walls can't come for the team All enemies just spur me on They can't make me mad, I'm the chosen son No wait, I mean we're the chosen three Attack and defend, sword and shield How you gonna try and pass it round When you always see us free midfield